0: Rockheads, scrape that Patriots bumper sticker off your car and listen up. It's time for another stellar episode of .NET Rocks, the internet audio talk show for .NET developers with Carl Franklin and Richard Campbell. This is Lawrence Ryan announcing show number 313 with guests Jeff Norton and Miguel de Casa, recorded live Friday, January 18th, 2008. .NET Rocks is brought to you by Franklin's Net training developers to work smarter and now offering SharePoint 2007 video training with Sahil Malik on DVD, DNR TV style. Order your copy now at www.franklins.net. Support is also provided by Telerik, providing the best in Windows forms and ASP.net controls with first-class customer service. On line at www.telerik.com. And now, the man who says, my grandmother can get a touchdown in one second, Carl Franklin. Thank you very much. Thank you. And
2: welcome back to.NET Rocks, the official.NET podcast of Super Bowl 2008.
1: <laughs> you can't say that. <laughs> <laughs> so, did you watch the
2: game? Uh, I, you know, I, watched, I came in when it was like there was two minutes left. So I saw the end drama because I knew that that's what it was going to be all about anyway. I knew it was going to be a close game, so I didn't worry about it. And I turned it on late. Oh.
1: So. I I turned on the whole game. I flipped it on and then uh, I guess within the first 30 seconds of it starting, I muted it and popped up my laptop and watched an episode of Mythbusters. (laughs) Yeah, spot the football fan in the crowd. But I, you know, sort of watched the last half. Heck, even my wife sat down and watched the last half. Yeah, well, I mean, you
2: know, it was the most-watched Super Bowl in history. And it was a pretty good ending. 97 million people tuned in, I think. Well, anyway, let's get right to Better Know Framework. All right, sir, what do you got for me? I have a really interesting collection, a generic collection, system collections uh, object model Hmm. called Observable Collection of Tea. Observable. Observable. And it represents a dynamic data collection that provides notifications through events when items get added, removed, or when the whole list is refreshed. How cool is that? That is pretty cool. Yeah. It was hiding out on me, too. I had to dig for that one. Observable collection of tea. Like it, love it, use it, and all that. Your life will be better. Your life
1: will be better. Richard Campbell, what do you got? (sighs) Besides the bad cases an email sick. from a new listener. A new listener. Yes, it says Richard Carl. Hello guys. Show 310 was my first listener.net rocks. Well all right. Ah uh, yeah. I enjoyed listening to the show and had a few comments I would like to share and I love it when a brand new listener sends us an email. <laughs> so welcome George. Yeah, welcome absolutely. aboard. Absolutely. The show was about the functional programming language Haskell, but there was no mention of any previous functional programming languages. Lisp, for instance, has been around since 1958. Had I not known this, I would have gotten the impression from listening to show 310 that Haskell and functional programming languages were a brand new thing. Mm. And I thought about this for a minute, because that 310, was that was the show with Simon Peyton Jones. Yeah, we've done quite a few shows on functional languages. Yeah, I, I'm amazed that we didn't say Lisp in that show, because we said Lisp in virtually every other functional every other programming functional show program we've show. done. Yeah. So, uh, it's an interesting thought to me to think about the show in the context of a brand new listener. Right. And I try, right. you know, I really think we work hard at not being too insidey. Like you have to right. listen all the shows to make this, uh, no, to make sure. it make sense. Right. But uh, an interesting twist. I think he's right. Lists have been around for a long time, and there's plenty of other languages before that. Haskell's relatively new in comparison. Yep. But uh, in the meantime, you might want to check out some of those other shows. Yeah, you bet. Go back through the catalog. She'll find some great things there. Uh, one other comment uh, George made. I came up with another example of lazy evaluation while listening to the show that could have been mentioned to clarify the concept infinite lists. Ah, yeah. Suppose, for example, that you had an infinite list of primes. Boy, Does that come right out of a ComSci class or what? Absolutely. Suppose we had an infinite list of primes. (laughs) Laziness would allow the programmer to pass around this list as an object as if it had already been computed. And when the nth element is queried, the nth prime would be computed. Yeah. Okay. It's an interesting thought. I don't know exactly where I'd use it. It sounds very uh, encryption-y. Yes, it does. (laughs) Yes, it does. But Boy, uh, uh, it brings a- up this interesting idea around this lazy uh, evaluation where we're able to say, there will be something here, but I'm not going to pre-compute everything because it'll take forever. Mm-hmm. Compute only what you need when you need it. Yeah. Uh, George closes out with, despite all my complaining, I really appreciate what you guys have put together. The sound quality was superb. And the topics, as I glance through past episodes, are extremely exciting. Thanks again. Well, wow. And thank you, George. We'll send you out a mug for your troubles.
2: Appreciate your thoughts. Well, I think we got another huge fan on our hands here. That's, I think so. That's awesome. All right, Richard. Well, this is indeed a special show because we have with us uh, not only a couple guys from the Mono Project, but uh, none other than Jeff Norton and Miguel de casa Miguel needs no introduction. He is the founder of the Mono Project, and then was uh, his, his uh, proverbial ass was bought by Novell, Sorry, Don Box. And he, uh, has continued to develop the Mono Project, which is an open source implementation of the .NET framework. And, uh, and it works on lots of different platforms, which we'll talk about in a little bit. Uh, as for Jeff Norton, he's a developer for Novell working also on the Mono Project. He is the founder of the Cocoa Sharp and Objective C Sharp projects and is the person in charge of the Mac specific development for the Mono Project, including a native system.windows.forms driver and a native GTK Sharp support. And prior to working for Novell, he'd been a Mono Project contributor for about three and a half years. Jeff and Miguel, welcome to the show. Thanks,
3: guys. Thank you, guys.
2: So this is all about development of .NET apps on the Mac. That's what we're going to talk about today.
1: Yeah. How hard could right. it be? Maybe we should set the stage a bit on how does uh, application development normally happen on the Mac? Yeah, that's a great place to start because we're admittedly clueless there.
4: Well, tra- traditionally, application development on the Mac has gone down one of two paths. Um, Apple, well, three paths. Historically, Apple's big focus was on uh, development techno- set of technologies for the windowing system they have called Carbon. Um, which has now been deprecated. Uh, For a while, their Apple was also supporting uh, Java, um, which isn't deprecated yet, but they're strongly pushing everyone towards using Objective-C and Cocoa. Um, Objective-C is a language that they got uh, mostly from Next. It's derived from Smalltalk. It's a functional language like that. Um, And they're really in a big push with their latest technologies to push everyone down that road. They... uh, if you look at how um Java support was released with 10.5 Leopard, uh they didn't even have support for Java 6. They just finally at the beginning of December released a developer preview, which sort of left all of their Java developers out in the lurch there for a while. Hmm. But that's sort of uh the traditional model is using Xcode, uh which is Apple's IDE and developing native applications for for Apple some of the swing stuff they've done with java integrates pretty well so you can do cross platform with java but obviously that's not how we feel the best way to be developing applications for the mac is so uh, that's why we've been focusing on getting some of the the uh, mono story being better a better cross platform story across all the major applica- or all the major operating systems
1: so uh, objective c which you'd immediately think is c but it's it's got some other elements in it right it's very object oriented it it almost seems like it's got roots back all the way to the next
4: yeah, yeah, it is. It's a small talk-like language. Um, it is compa- It is a compiler compatible with C, so you can intermix C code with it. But it in and of itself is definitely nothing like C.
1: Interesting. And mm-hmm. and this is the recommended development platform by Apple?
4: They want... They, I don't know if they have officially recommended this, but I would say from their, from their positioning and from their SDKs and from everything they're doing, they're pushing people towards this. For a long time, they were recommending that or Java. I'm not sure that they've officially changed their stance on that, but uh, they're definitely pushing people down that road. Now,
2: you say it's a functional language Objective-C, but does it have any of the kind of robust framework stuff that either Java or .NET has?
4: Well, it does for Mac. Uh, as the language level, I mean, the nice things about .NET and Java are that your your, your uh, application support and your, fr- your framework support is cross-platform. The Objective-C stuff that Apple gives you, like AppKit and Cocoa and things, are not. They only run on Apple. Now, the GNU-STEP project takes a look at uh, implementing a lot of that in an open-source manner to run on Windows and Linux. They're lagging behind Apple's implementation, obviously. Um, And it's more an academic project than anything else. But it does exist, so it should be mentioned for the sake of completeness.
2: But in terms of the robust libraries, what I'm getting at... The development library. How much plumbing code does this? Does an Objective C programmer have to do?
4: I guess it really depends on what you're looking at. I mean, for instance, the the AppKit framework shipped by Apple does things like you want to go make a, a HTTP web request, for instance, in .NET speak. They've got code to do that for you, so you don't have to go right from the TCP socket layer like you wouldn't see. But that's there's lots of C libraries that do the same thing now.
2: So, well, that's that's one thing. I mean, there's you know, hundreds of thousands of of nice little uh, things in the, in the framework. What about the big things like memory management and garbage collection and all those great things that we like about .NET?
4: Well, Apple has just released uh, Objective-C version 2 uh, with 10.5, which does bring in um, optional garbage collection. You don't have to use it, but it is there. Um, in Objective-C 1, they had uh, a reference counting implementation, which they called... Uh, Auto release pools. So things would be, um, doing simple reference counting. You'd either retain it or release it. And if you didn't have to explicitly call release, it would go do it for you if the reference count was down to zero. Mm-hmm. So they're partially there. Um, they've integrated the Boehm garbage collector, uh, which is actually, we use a packed version of, uh, or a customized version of the Boehm garbage collector in Mono as well. They've implemented that for their reference counting, uh, sorry, for their garbage collector in Objective C2. So it's there. Um, it's different, though. It's not a managed language. It does compile down to native code. Um, it's not portable. Uh, you get all the same problems you have with other native languages, like the incompatibilities that sometimes happen. Apple's pretty good about API compatibility, but you sometimes have problems moving things back and forth from versions. Yeah. Uh, they're usually backwards compatible, but not necessarily forwards. So things compiled on 10.5, unless you specifically link against the 10.4 SDK, likely will not run on 10.4.
1: Hmm. Right. So where does COCO fit into this equation?
4: Well, COCO is a set of, uh, it's a collection of some of their frameworks uh, together, which is their new uh, windowing system. So Carbon was their C implementation of their windowing system. COCO is their Objective-C implementation of their windowing system.
1: Oh, okay. So So...
4: COCO would be analogous to a system Windows Forms. COCO would be analogous to uh, Win32 MFC windowing and stuff. COCO would be analogous to uh, GTK Sharp. Or GDK plus, sorry, rather.
1: All right. So it, it is that's one of the sets of libraries that you would use as a developer to build applications in in the on the Mac. Yep. Great.
2: So when so, yeah, yeah, now let's talk about Mono on the Mac. What do, yeah. what do the Mac people think about, about mono in terms of um, you know the the framework and let, let alone the portability but the programmability of it?
3: Well, I guess I guess that would depend on on who you really ask. Uh, some people value a lot the fact that they can. Uh, I mean, some people value a lot the fact that they can reuse the same code that they wrote for Windows on the Mac. So you can reuse your Windows forms code in um, in the Mac. So those people probably don't care as much as the as the final look and feel of the application. Hmm. Uh, people that are aiming towards you know uh, trying to get the UI to look as closely as possible uh, to the Mac and follow. Every guideline on um, on design on the Mac, they they typically go for something like Cocoa Sharp, uh, which are bindings that will let you write applications that are native to the Mac. Um, kind of the downside of going with Cocoa Sharp is that, um, is that your application will be tied to the Mac. So once you start building applications with the Cocoa Sharp API, you can still build C Sharp code and you continue to use Mono, but the application won't be able to um, to move to Linux or to move to Windows um but but there, there's a solution we got a couple of companies uh, using Cocoa sharp for the for that reason other people have built their own um their own uis like the unity guys so they use uh, they use mono they use some c sharp but this company is interesting they actually use a variation of boo um one of the dotnet languages they use a variation of boo called unity script that looks and feels a lot like javascript but it has some of the Benefits of strong typing that C# has in terms of performance. So they use that for their product, and they build their own, you know, their own APIs for doing, uh, for doing their own interfaces. And it doesn't really look uh, like the Mac. It has some elements of the Mac, but it's really their own, um, their own 3D framework and their own 3D UIs.
2: So uh, Sharp is is the Mono implementation of Cocoa. Is that a good? Is that is that correct?
3: It's more like a binding. You know how Windows Forms on Windows is a wrapper around the Win32 API? Yeah. It's an object-oriented wrapper around the Win32 API. Mm -hmm. So think of CocoaSharp as a .NET binding to the underlying uh, Objective-C Cocoa API.
1: And so the point being, CocoaSharp is the way that a C Sharp developer could make a most Mac-like application using the Mac UI. Correct, yes. And the sacrifice, of course, being there's no equivalent Cocoa library in the Windows world, so you're not making compatible apps at this point. Correct. So, Mm -hmm. And, yeah, we're still sort of exploring why would we do this? Are we building original apps on the Mac and we'd rather work in C Sharp, or do we have Windows apps that we want to run on the Mac? And I guess Cocoa Sharp is off the table if you're doing that compatibility version.
3: Correct, and I would say some people have done, um, some people that have some C-Sharp code, um, you know, they build native uh, UIs for their applications when they uh, make them cross-platform. So right. you can still reuse, let's say, uh, 90% of your application if it's if it's all purely engine, and you rewrite the 10% of the GUI, um, sometimes the balance is different, and it might be more expensive to do that. But depending on how much GUI um, you have, you might choose to go one path or another. Um, so, if you have a lot of GUI code and you just don't want to bother with that, you'll probably go with Windows Forms or GTK Sharp on the Mac. Or, but if you have, you know, the budget, the time, or or the need uh, to have a fully native UI, you'll go with Cocoa Sharp. And the idea here is that if you love uh, C Sharp uh, or you like the, the class libraries and you like uh, that API, you can still keep a high level of you know uh, familiarity with the language, and you can keep uh, a, a lot of the code that you already use on Windows. So that might be the reason to to go for a uh, for Mono on the Mac.
2: And also the other the other one we mentioned in uh, Jeff's bio is Objective C Sharp, right? Correct. And this is the 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 .NET binding to Objective C.
4: No, um, Objective C Sharp is going the other way, um, where Cocoa Sharp is is a as we've said a binding straight down to the Cocoa framework to let you leverage those in C Sharp code. Objective C Objective C Sharp exposes everything in the Common Language Runtime to your Objective C applications. Oh so we it's a it's a set of rules and bindings that do when i said uh before that uh, objective c is a dynamic language it lets us do some interesting things with reflection and embedding. so what we actually do with objective c sharp is embed the mono runtime directly into your objective c application without you having to do anything and then you can do things like declare an array list in objective c code put things in it and pass it to other things
2: and this is the kind of stuff that's that i was talking about did did it exist before um to be able to have all those collections and arrays and interfaces and all that stuff that's in the framework, that's, yeah, that's really what are, we're talking are, about.
4: They have their own implementations of arrays and collections and hash tables and things. The advantage to doing something like Objective-C Sharp is, again, if you didn't want to necessarily use Cocoa Sharp or you didn't, you didn't want to for some other reason or you had some other code written by another group that was done in .NET, hmm. using something like this, you can save having to rewrite all that. If you've got something customized got and specialized to you you can pass in your native values through the bridge and get the results back out and then present them however you want.
2: Makes sense. Yeah,
3: I think that here, what is worth pointing out here is uh, Cocoa Sharp would be used, um, I mean, Objective C Sharp would be used in uh, in a case similar to what you would do in Windows with uh, what what Microsoft calls uh, CLR, CLR hosting or CLR embedding. I can't remember what they call it. But basically, you already have an investment in native code, uh, Some a lot of C or C++ code. And, um, and instead of recompiling it with .NET, uh, and moving the whole application to .NET, you keep all of that code, um, unmanaged, but you want to extend, you want to use, uh, you want to use .NET in some capacity to extend it. Or you want to use .NET to script your application, for example, like uh, when you host the CLR and then you use Iron Python to script your stuff. So this is similar in that regard, uh, but it's aimed at people that have a large investment in Objective C in an Objective C application, and they want to expose the inner workings of the Objective C uh, world to this uh, to the managed environment, and that can be any .NET language.
2: Do you know the perfect formula for building and managing websites? Follow me here. Zero effort plus Sitefinity CMS equals infinity in website development. That's right. Telerik challenges you to explore its innovative Sitefinity content management system and offers you a chance to win a sleek Zune MP3 player or a Sitefinity license. These cool awards could be yours if you only answer a few easy questions about Telerik Sitefinity CMS. All you have to do is watch five short movies and see how easy it is to build infinitely beautiful websites with zero effort. You'll learn some cool facts about Sitefinity and the effortless creation of websites. So go to www.sitefinity.com and give it a try. It's fun, it's interesting, and it can get you a free license or a free Zune. Okay, so now let's talk about the .NET developer. The .NET developer who wants to run Applications on the Mac. What a uh, what? What's the scope of those ac- types of applications?
3: So um, I think that if you're coming from .NET, you, you either are using Windows Forms or WPF um, for your desktop application. Uh, the only thing that Mono supports today is Windows Forms, and um, and we didn't really have a lot of good support for the Mac for Windows Forms. We used to only have an uh, a driver that basically requires a, a traditional Unix. Uh, windowing um, system on the Mac, so your application would require you to start up a next server inside the mac. Uh, it didn't integrate as well as as you could and uh, you know and it was it was cumbersome to use. Uh, what Jeff has been working on is uh, is basically improving our native Windows forms driver uh, so that it integrates with the Mac now this integrates kind of on the on the low level aspects, and the next stage would be for us to design a theme that makes your WinForms applications look like macOS applications. Um, Mm. It's something in our to-do list, but we're not really really actively working on that part yet. Um, So basically, if you're a Windows Forms developer, what you're gonna get uh, with Mono is the ability to run these applications um, on the Mac. And uh, the last release that we did for Mono on the Mac Contain a lot of the work from Jeff, but it's not going to be until our, our upcoming 1.2.7 release that you're really going to get all of the all of the driver updates that Jeff has been working on. Um, and our hope is that by Mono 2.0, which uh, we're hoping to release uh, by the middle of this year, will not only have um, all of the new, uh, this whole new driver integrated with Mono and for every Mac developer to use, but we're going to be shipping our IDE uh, called MonoDevelop on the Mac. Wow, cool. And uh, and that basically will bring because today you kind of have to use, you know, Emacs or right. VI or kind of work with Xcode and and, and force it to use uh, um mono. What we're gonna do with mono develop um which is an IDE based on Sharp Develop that you guys might already know yes. about. Sure. Um you're going to get IntelliSense and, I mean, IntelliSense uh, so support for Visual Studio solutions, you know, mm-hmm. ASP.NET editing and yeah. uh, GUI designers and all that stuff. So it's really an environment designed for the .NET developer on the Mac.
2: Tell, tell us, a, define a couple of uh, things for us. GTK Sharp.
3: Yeah. So that is, um, so GTK Sharp is, uh, think of it as the Windows Forms for Linux people, Um it came out of uh, just like you guys have win thirty mm-hmm. two we have g t k plus that's okay. what it's called, and just like you guys have windows forms uh we created a native uh, well a managed binding uh to c sharp called G t k sharp okay. so most applications that you build on Linux today with mono are with g t k sharp because they look native they integrate deeply into your desktop and so on okay and uh and mono develop in particular is is one of those g t k sharp applications so okay. um so, working together with a company um, called Emendio, they 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 managed to do a, GT, a native GTK port to the Mac, so that the so that GTK integrates directly with macOS, and that's what we're using to make the um, to make Mono develop and our and our suite of Linux desktop applications run on the Mac as well.
2: And and what is Glade?
3: Um, Glade is a very old. GUI designer—it's um, like the designer surface that you get on uh, on Visual Studio. We have since mm-hmm. switched to our own managed implementation of a designer that we call Static, um, but they're essentially the same thing. They're they're GUI designers where you draw your widgets and you know put your buttons and entries and, and scroll bars, and it generates an XML description of the UI.
2: Okay, and so Static is built into MonoDevelop, then? Correct. Yes. Yeah. And it looks, I'm looking at the screenshot, it looks remarkably like Visual Studio.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty cool. So yeah, it, yeah, we're very happy with it. So we got three operating systems in play here, Windows, macOS, and Linux. Maybe we need to dig in a bit to the similarities and differences between what macOS is doing and what Linux does, because obviously Mono started out as a Linux project, but was was it directly portable to the, to the Mac, or was there some work you had to do to get there?
3: Uh, we had to do some work. Um, we were hired, before we were acquired by Novell, we were hired by a um, systems control vendor um, that does embedded systems, and they needed a PowerPC port. So they hired uh, uh, our company at the time to do the port. So we did the port to the PowerPC, and then porting it from their embedded system to um to the Mac was very easy. This is before the Mac was uh, running on Intel. Right. So we did all the, you know, all the operating system integration work. Uh, Jeff Jeff was one of the early people. Um, before he joined Novell, he was contributing, uh, contributing continuously to the effort. And, um, and you know, over time, there was a, a Mac community that grew out um, uh, of that effort. So initially, Mono was, you know, just the command line tools, and and it has kept growing. You know, now we have CocoSharp, we have Objective-C Sharp, um, we're we're going to be launching an IDE, I mean, the same IDE that we're using for Mac developers. Uh, we're making sure that Windows Forms runs natively on the Mac without any third-party uh, applications and so on. So, um, so it's been a long road, um, and we finally decided to invest, uh, when I say we, I mean Novell, to invest seriously in making sure that the Mac was on an equal footing as uh, as the support for Linux uh, because we know that a lot of developers are are now using Macs, and we kind of want to um, attract those developers for
1: sure. Yeah, and if, I got to think that the, all that PowerPC effort ultimately went to naught when uh, Apple jumped across to the Intel uh, platform. So now you're now you could take your Linux code. I mean, that does that make things simpler? Uh,
3: well, I, I don't think that it, uh, that it was completely a waste of time because, uh, for example, we. Today, there's still a lot of power-based machines, you know, IBM big servers, right? Um, using power, and uh, we're hoping we're hoping to get um, we're hoping to get Mono on the 360. Uh, we're already working with a couple of game vendors that they have uh, that they have ported Mono to the 360. But we want to make our own offering of Mono for the 360, uh, so people can develop or extend their existing games with uh, scripting on on Mono. Wow, an alternative to XNA. Right. Well, it's different. So this is very interesting, actually. Um, The situation that many game vendors... uh are facing is that XNA for XNA you basically write your application on top of XNA and a lot of these people already have you know they're using already existing physics engine or very old code that they're reusing and it's all C and C++ so they don't want to rewrite their code or retarget it to XNA they want to keep using their existing code but they would still like to instead of using scripting languages like Lua or or, uh, Real Engine or or Unreal Basic or all of those scripting languages that are quite slow um, and, I I, and maybe I got the name of some of them wrong. Uh, what they want to do is they want to use Mono um, as their VM. I don't know if you've seen the demo of uh, the Silverlight chess demo where where they play JavaScript versus .NET. No. And you have? Yeah, I don't know if you've seen that one, but it's uh, when you make JavaScript uh, fight .NET in uh, in the chess game. <laughs> and you know, it's uh, it's a thousand times faster to use a managed language uh, like C# Sharp versus JavaScript. So sure. some of these game vendors are actually interested in Mono as a, as a, as using as a, as a high performance scripting engine for building the the AI for their games.
2: If you're done with that, I have uh, another line of questions to go down. Which is, um, on the Mac, I've I've I have i have do not have one yet. I plan on buying one this year. Believe me. Um, but I'd, but I've seen Windows apps completely integrated into the desktop with Parallels. This uh, mm-hmm. tool, you know what I'm talking about, and so it doesn't seem like such a big deal to have, you know, Windows apps ported to native um, uh, Mac, you know, OS, OS 10, what Leopard or whatever it is. Why I- is there a performance penalty you pay with with Parallels uh, working so well? I mean, it just seems to work so well. Well,
4: the, the, there's a few things here. One, I mean, you are going to pay. Some of a performance penalty virtualizing machine, it's not so bad anymore because it's the same architecture. The other point is keep in mind licensing costs. If if a company or a person has decided to change to a Mac, if the answer for them to run their small you know, .NET app or large .NET app that they need to for work is to go spend $99 on Parallels and another $400 on an XP license to be able to run it in a virtual machine, um, that's a lot of money when you multiply that out by a number of people.
2: Understood. Yeah. yeah, and and I mean it's
3: um I mean if, if some people are happy just using parallels um then then I think that's it um I think that in in particular in this case it's a case where the ISV not the end user is making the choice so an yeah. ISV might say well we'll support your we'll support your application natively and it won't require you to run parallels and it won't require you to go through these extra steps to get it running. Yeah. Um, so I guess I guess what happens here is really the person making the choice is different. In one case is the end user and in the other case is the uh, ISV. Yeah,
1: five hundred dollars a seat may sound expensive until you look at a hundred thousand dollar development effort. Well, that's true. Good point, Richard. You know, it's just I mean it's not free, but it's not that expensive. Yes, yeah, but we're talking about taking we're
4: talking about taking your Winforms application that's been written and running it without having to redevelop.
1: I think the big thing here is how much is it going to cost to redevelop? Like how or what parts do we have to rebuild? If I can really take the core of my code, if I got a 99% straight cross compile, I'm pretty excited about that. Now it is pretty cheap. I'm just trying to get a feel for how much work I have to do. I mean, this is where I think, okay, Cocoa Sharp's off the table. What's my Windows Form implementation on the Mac?
3: Yeah, so I guess Mm. I guess the the situation here is that although you will have to pay, I mean, depending on how many P invokes your application has, because that is the only piece that is not portable, right? Um, If your application is one hundred percent .NET with no P invokes, then you have nothing to worry about. Um, But at the moment you start using P invokes, then that's engineering effort that you're going to have to invest money on to to make it run on the Mac. Plus,
2: I imagine that you can do more Mac. Particular things with with Mono than you can with .dot net.
3: Um, yeah, you could. And again, I think that the issue here is um, the ISV will choose whether investing whatever amount of dollars is worth worth for them, or if they should just pass the cost to the consumer and say, "Well, if you want the Mac, you should get um, uh, Parallels plus Windows." Um, so, I guess I guess that's really a decision for the ISV to make.
2: Fair enough. And have you guys talked to Apple at all about uh how you, how they could snuggle up to Mono? Uh
3: we talked to them a long time ago and uh, we really never never took up the conversation. Um we talked to them shortly before they announced the X86 and uh and um and when I talked to Bud, he was incredibly busy with the uh, the whole engineering team at Apple was incredibly busy with that. I'm not sure that they're very excited with uh with Mono um in particular after their Java experience, um, where they kind of, I, I don't know the, 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 the details about that, but I think that mm-hmm. they want to encourage Objective-C as their platform as opposed to something like Java on macOS or .NET on macOS. Yeah. So um, at the time, I remember we didn't get a lot of traction. I don't know if that has changed um, or if it would be worth pursuing it based on, on, on what they've done with Java.
1: Yeah. Hmm. Well, I and mean, it's just such a different world, the Mac world, where the same company that makes the machine provides pretty much the development environment for it and largely dictates a lot of the rules around it. And you're bringing something that's much more of the, the other side of the community where whatever tools you want to use, whatever languages you want to use, the sort of more open way of building a lot more code. Uh, It's just—it's a funny thing how different these two things
2: are. Don't you think they might be moving in that direction anyway, though, Richard? And what about you, Miguel, do you think?
1: Um, Oh, I don't know. I mean, um, I guess
3: to a large extent, it seems like Apple has had to build all of these things because they had to bootstrap their own ISV ecosystem. Right, out of necessity. Um, At some point, there was some story. I I don't remember where I read it. Some of those magazines where they interview Steve Jobs or something. Uh, where Steve Jobs went and tried to convince some company to pour their software to the Mac. And when the company came back and said, well, we're not really going to do it, uh, he decided, well, then we're just going to have to build it, right? Um, so I think that sometimes you have to take things into your own hands. And, um, and you know, they, the Mac doesn't have the same uh, ISV ecosystem that Windows has today. So, um, so a lot of the things need to be, you know, bootstrapped uh, by themselves through their own revenue. So... Um, I, I don't think that's particularly um, – I mean, I don't think it's it's them trying to force how the market behaves. I think it was more of a how do we ensure that we can survive,
0: hmm.
1: you know? Hmm. Well, and, and to the Apple's credit – one of the features of a Mac is that the software is so consistent and is relatively well-written so that the, the, or the experience is the same. We're all tend to use the same audio editing tools, video editing tools and so forth. And they're quite robust in that sense, right. as opposed to the diversity that's on the PC side that also leads to inconsistency. Right.
4: I think one of the important things to remember with that comment though is, is hardware footprint on the PC side. I mean, no matter how good the development tools are, the underlying stability of an operating system is part of your problem. Um, and Windows has to support every single audio card and video card and whatever out there. Linux has the same problem. Where mm. Apple, being able to control the operating system and the, hard, the hardware environment, mm. they've got such a smaller subset of core devices that they can tune and, and focus their, own, their efforts on those and making sure that they've got good quality drivers and good support. And that does change those things somewhat.
1: Absolutely
2: are there less layers on the Mac but software wise between the uh, between the application and the hardware because they I don't have to so. have you wouldn't
4: I wouldn't say there's less software layers. I just think that there's le- I mean when you when you have 100 inputs on the top and 100 outputs on the bottom, if you can change that to ten, you've simplified your entire overall eco- ecosystem.
2: yeah, I'm just thinking of the whole driver infrastructure having to have uh so many different layers because of all the different hardware manufacturers
4: But i mean most driver implementations now aren't aren't sort of layered they're more pluggable so you've got a plug-in a Mm. kernel module or whatever you have for your sound driver Mm. apple uh they use a mock-based kernel which is slightly different on how things happen but it's fundamentally the same as how um Mm. or logically the same as how linux kernel works okay
2: interesting all right, um, Miguel, can you walk us through the way a .NET developer can get started with Mono? Uh,
3: yeah, um, as, as I mentioned, we're preparing a big update for um, for for the Mac users, and that's what Jeff has been working on uh, for the past few few weeks. We really want to get a polished. Uh, set up for everyone, but um, right now the idea is you go to the Mono project, you get our 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 package from there. It's a single click install, and that will get you that will get you um, that will get you XSP so you can run ASP.NET apps. It will get you the you know compilers, tools, SDK uh, to start building applications, uh, including Windows Forms. Um, and you can start developing there. Now the problem is that we don't have currently an IDE distribution for the Mac, and that's what we're working on right now. We're making sure that uh, that we package everything uh, in this package, and it will come with an IDE. So today, for the .NET developer, they're going to have to learn a little bit of uh, they're going to have to learn a little bit about uh, Unix um, and a little bit of how to work on Unix to do that. Now, luckily, there's a couple of support uh, groups. Uh, there's a uh, there's a couple of chat rooms on the internet where you can get help and people can handhold you through the process. There's a couple of mailing lists, and um, and the people that did the integration with Xcode, which is the Mac OS 10 IDE for writing applications, uh, have set up uh, you know manuals and instructions on how to get uh, Mono integrated with Xcode. So so there is there is definitely a learning curve required for uh, for starting to develop natively in the Mac. If you're willing to not develop on the Mac, I mean, if you're willing to have two machines, you can develop on Windows, continue to use Visual Studio. And uh, what you do is you do X copy deployment. So you copy your executables or your ASP.NET sites to your to your Unix machine, and then you just execute it with Mono. Um, so that's the only difference. Instead of running app.exe, you have to type Mono space app.exe.
2: This is something you can use virtual PC for, right?
3: Uh, yes, yes, yeah, absolutely. We also have a VMware machine, um, a VMware image, so you can just download from our website a VMware image with the free VMware player. There you go. And uh, that will get you a, a full Linux system, and that's a, a Linux system image, though. So that will get you a Linux system. That comes with the IDE, because we, we already support the IDE in Linux. Hmm. Um, it comes with examples for Windows Forms. Um, I believe we already include uh, Silverlight, but I'm not Hundred percent sure if we put it on the VMware image yet, mm-hmm. and um, and you know it comes with a configured Apache server that will start serving your ASP.NET apps from a Linux server immediately.
1: Oh, that's great. So what about getting to the Mac?
3: For the Mac, you need to start with our DMG package, and as I said, we uh, I mean, which is an, an installable package. The only thing that we're missing today is the IDE, um, and uh, and again, the, the other downside is that we are not allowed to redistribute VMware images. That would run Mac OS X, right? Uh, the only way you could do that is with a hacked Mac OS X, and we, we're not going to do
4: that. <laughs> right, right. Our VMware image that we ship uh, with our OpenSUSE and our Linux development desktop does work in VMware Fusion on your Mac. So you could run that on your Mac.
3: Yeah, okay. But in that case, it would be basically running Linux inside the Mac to use right. the yep.
4: IDE. Yeah, I just mean rather than, I mean the other side from having a second machine, Miguel.
3: Oh, oh, yep. all right. Yeah, yeah. Sorry about that. Yes, you can do that too.
1: So it is possible for me to build code on my Windows box, and then I can put it, and then I can move it over to the Mac and essentially rerun it there under the Mono under Mono.
3: Yeah, the same instructions that we've posted for doing the Linux um, transition are exactly the same ones. I mean, they apply exactly to uh, to macOS. And in fact, um, the Mono product manager Joseph Hill. Um, when, when he heard that we are doing this call at the .NET Rocks, he's like, "Oh, I wish I wish we were doing this uh, this call in a couple of weeks when we had the installers ready because um, we're hoping to have in a few weeks the you know the the full package that comes with the ID and everything for Mac users. So um, in a couple of weeks, it will be a one-step uh, process as opposed to today, right?
1: Well, by the time the show is published, it'll be a couple of weeks, and entirely possible that you will have all that ready.
3: Oh, uh, well, <laughs> then, uh, huh? Interesting. Oh, well, uh, then the instructions change. So just go get our Mono DMG package from the from the Mono website, which is a Mac OS installer, and uh, that comes with the that comes with the development tools, comes with the ASP.NET server, and comes with an IDE for building your applications and importing your Visual Studio .NET solutions.
1: Excellent. And, and then of course this whole scenario gets more interesting when you consider the idea of just plain old developing on the Mac and you and developing in the .NET languages. I mean, there's a reason why .NET's become so popular. It's a great way to build software.
3: Yeah and um and you know um we're very happy with the compiler support that we have now you know we have uh, we provide C sharp and visual basic compilers but you can you can use Microsoft F sharp which is it seems to be the new hot thing um you can just download that one and run it on on uh, on the Mac or Linux directly um I run Ruby and I run Python. Run um, out of the box with Mono, so um, you know uh, there's a bunch of uh, of opportunities there and chances. And of course, uh, if you want, you're a Mac developer. You can use Cocoa Sharp for many of these languages as well. So, it uh, I think it's going to be a fun way of prototyping your Cocoa applications with, uh, you know, with Python and Ruby.
2: Hey, total tangent here, but tell me the graffiti story.
3: Um, well, that that was a little bit surprising. Um. Uh, I the Taligent guys are building this new CMS uh, called Graffiti. And, uh, you know, uh, I've, been, I've been following on and off uh, what they do. Yeah, this is uh, Rob
1: I- Howard and and uh, uh, Scott Watermask and they build Community Server and a bunch of other things, too. Right. Graffiti is something new, though.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, yeah, it's a new product. And, uh, you know, I, I mean, we've always followed Community Server. Um, and I guess it's a popular product in .NET world. Um and you know, recently we saw that they announced uh, that they announced uh, support for Mono, and I was a little bit surprised because I I, I didn't really uh, know much about that. They they asked us a few questions, but I really didn't. I mean, I really didn't think that they were that they were building it. And then uh, it turns out that they had been working with Joseph Hill, who who just joined us at Novell as the Mono product manager, uh, to um, you know to make sure that Taligent uh, that the Graffiti CMS would work on Mono. So I think that um, I mean I think that what we would be interesting for intelligent guys is that now that they officially support Mono, uh, to be able to run this stuff in you know uh, places like DreamHost and where you pay five dollars a month and mm. and you get your CMS hosted for you. Wow. Um So I think that that was one of the motivations, uh, being able to be on an equal footing or an equal competitive level with uh, with you know PHP or Ruby frameworks out there and be able to you know uh, deploy these solutions on on these cheap servers.
2: Okay, getting back to the Mac here. The if we're developing with Mono on the Mac, and let's say we would, let's say we're using Mono because we want to get the you know the sort of the richness that is in the in the framework in the framework libraries. Can you still write to native Mac code? Um, from that if you want to just be Mac only and still run in Mono? Like, can I still make native calls to the Mac from a Mono app?
3: Absolutely. Um, I mean, you can you can use P invoke in the same way that you P invoke uh, uh, Win32 these days. Mm-hmm. But instead of the P invoking, um, you know, Win32, you end up calling native uh, Unix functions or you end up using uh, um, Cocoa-specific functions. Mm. In fact... Our Windows Forms implementation uh, p invokes a lot of functions from the underlying macOS implementation. That's how uh, how Jeff implemented the thing. Oh, cool! So you can definitely you, you can call every API that uh, that uh, that they document. Uh, you can call any of those with the, in the same way that you would do it with p invoke.
4: Yeah, the one point of note, though, is it's if you've written if you have you know as a mac development company out there and you've written a bunch of code in objective c and you want your application to be in mono to be able to touch that objective c code so not objective c sharp but the other way around um, it's a bit unwieldy right now i'm working on something in uh, in a bit of my spare time which is a set of bindings directly to objective c 2 which will make that a lot easier no eta on when that'll ship yet but it'll make it a lot easier to take sort of an existing objective c library out there and leverage it from your native co- or from your managed code
2: do you, are you guys working towards making Mono on the Mac a more desirable platform than the Objective-C platform?
3: Oh, absolutely. And um, and the reason, of course, I mean, I don't think that, I mean, it, it would be too cocky to say that that, that we're going to get it done this year, but, yeah. uh, but that is the objective. I think that with the excitement that there is around the Mac, I think, uh, I mean, our ultimate Desire is to make sure that we have more applications on Linux and that, and you know, to spread the the use of .NET. So I think that we can capitalize on the on the success of the Mac. Make sure that we do have the Mac on an equal footing as Linux when it comes to .NET applications. And um, you know, if a .NET developer decides that they want to start targeting the Mac, um, it will be a lot easier when they've made the decision to make their software cross-platform and you know, and isolate. Win32 calls from Cocoa calls from Unix calls to get that software onto Linux, uh, then convince just a developer, um, from Windows to move directly to Linux. So I think we can capitalize on the, on the excitement around macOS 10, um, to make .NET a more cross-platform developer, uh, developer, um, environment.
4: I think uh, one of the things that we sort of touched on today, but not really stressed, which, which is an exciting story, is with us shipping GTK Sharp for the Mac and a GTK Plus driver, which uh, Miguel talked about earlier from the Amendio guys, is regardless of where you're developing first on Windows, on Linux, or on the Mac, if you're developing your GUI application in GTK Sharp today, you can take that exact same code without changes, again, P invokes uh, independent of this, and run the same GUI with the same interface on your Windows, your Mac, and your Linux box, which... Which alleviates some of that, especially for the ISVs and other implementations, because it's not now just a matter of your Windows Forms app moving over, but you can write things in GTK Sharp from the get go, which will go everywhere.
1: It, it's really kind of magical, actually. And of course, with the Linux implementation that requires X Windows, or is it GNOME?
4: Uh,
3: correct, so, X Windows. Um, GNOME is just uh, hmm, how do you say that? Let's GNOME is like uh, like the Internet Shell Explorer to some extent. and X okay. Windows is kind of Win32. I mean, it's th- yeah. not an exact so- mapping, but it's it's roughly that. So yeah, every every Linux machine comes with X. So uh, both GTK Sharp and Windows Forms will run just with X, and uh, and whether and, the, and and kind of the flavor of your UI, either be it KDE or GNOME or or Enlightenment or anything else, is, is they're all just work together because they're all really speaking X.
1: Yeah, yeah X is under the hood there, so it's always there
3: correct
1: Yes and that's a tremendous demo to do to build an application, say all in Windows and then show it running under Linux and then show it running under the mac os
3: yeah and we and we do that with Visual Studio because I think it's a more um i mean, I think people are more familiar with doing it with Visual Studio, but uh we can do the same thing with g t k sharp today, uh but yeah, we routinely show the same application running on the mac and windows and and Linux, and uh you know it's it always makes for a good demo. Or showing like a running on all the platforms, for example. Um, hmm. Luz roter was kind enough that uh, he, you know, that uh, that now if it uh, if it doesn't find Internet Explorer, it will back, it will uh, it will uh, fall back into using uh, the rich text rendering for the for running. So, it, so we can get this really nice tool on Unix as well.
1: That's great. I'm just fascinated the prospect of a bunch of guys with Macs building ASP.NET apps that run under Apache.
4: Oh yeah, <laughs> it's, it's awesome. gonna be nice. Well, I mean that's. That's where I started using Mono. I was using a Mac at my old employer, and really? we were doing a lot of ASP.NET work. so I worked on making sure that uh, ASP.net worked well on the Mac. Huh. It works today. Wow. It's worked for several years, actually.
2: ASP.net on the Mac.
3: Did you deploy on Macs, or did you deploy on other kind of servers?
4: Primarily, primarily we deployed on Debian servers. Oh, okay. But uh, we had to test a bunch of things, on the Mac. So the reason that we had switched uh, some of our developers to the Mac was so that we could test all the major browsers and the implementation outputs of ASP.NET without them having to carry two or three machines around. All right. Hmm. All right. Because we could, you know, dual boot into Linux or use virtual machines and things like that, on the, especially on the Intel boxes, right?
2: So what do you have left to do? Um, you mentioned some stuff that's coming out. But, um, what, you know, in a perfect world, what would you like to see? Um, in, on the mono implementation on the Mac side,
4: I was going to say we're still finishing up some of the uh, some of the the corner cases on the Mac driver for WinForms, um, and that's a big big thing for us. Uh, getting the IDE shipped and into the hands of people is a big thing for us. Um, there's a couple things that I'd personally like to do with Cocoa Sharp that I think, especially with the release of 10.5 and Objective-C 2, we can make that an even better experience for developers. Um, it mm-hmm. works quite well right now today. Uh, as Miguel said, there's a couple companies out there using it. I think we could make it a better, uh, more familiar experience because trying to bind a, a dynamic language like Objective-C from uh, C Sharp, is, it's got some intricacies, and we've learned some things that will make it a lot better. Um, other than that... I mean, there's there's a lot of work to do. <laughs> it sounds like, you know, there's always a lot of work to do. But I think those are some of the big high-level things that I'd like to see. Miguel, you had a couple points?
3: Uh, yeah, I think, uh, I mean, our Windows Forms implementation is missing a couple of things uh, here and there. Um, we've been prioritizing the work based on... on uh, on reports that we get from a tool, a portability tool that, w- that we ship called Moma, the Mono Migration Analyzer. So that helps us guide the direction of which APIs we're missing and implementing those things. Um, mono. When it comes to 2.0, we're pretty much complete. Uh, we're missing a few, about a hundred API calls from Windows Forms or something relatively close to that, and uh, and we're hoping to to have that uh, finished by April. So that will basically be the moment where we can call the thing Mono 2.0. Um, which a lot of people have been waiting for, but if you don't use Windows Forms, uh, we've been 2.0 enabled for more than a year now.
1: So meantime, Microsoft keeps moving, and uh, I guess 3.5 is the shipping version. Uh, when do I get Link for my Mac?
3: Uh, you Ooh. can already get it um, if you get um, if you get uh, if you get 1.2.6. You get almost all of C# three. Wow. Um, the link. Uh, I know that some of the link operators are, have not been finished, so we're missing a couple of link operators, and uh, we didn't have the AST uh, expression generation stuff in place yet. Uh, so we're working on that right now. As of, I mean, that's what I was working on last night with uh, some of the members of the team. But uh, 1.2.7, which should be out in, in the next uh, in the next two months, will have uh, will have pretty much a feature complete uh, link and XML link. Uh, we don't have a database link yet so for the time being we're going to recommend people to use an open source project called dblink. link that uh, you know it's just a db it's a link provider for postgres and mysql and oracle okay. and sql server so it's not something we built but it's it's an open source effort being developed by some great guys out there um
2: What about link to xml xml literals uh,
3: that one is implemented that that in fact we've had for pfft, uh almost 6 months now and Do you uh, have the
2: xml literals in there?
3: Yeah, yeah, we have that. Sweet. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that was partly driven by, you know, that was partly driven by uh by our desire to complete the Silverlight support. Yeah. So a lot of this stuff is being uh, is being done in
1: support of Silverlight as well. What about so that actually brings up moonlight? Yeah, yeah. So, mm-hmm. I'm, and Moonlight, of course, I think. What are your great success stories? Remarkable about your development in in stunningly little time. Yeah, how
2: quickly it happened! I think you announced it at MIX, where they were announcing Silverlight. What didn't you?
1: Well, they
3: announced it there, and uh, and what happened is that I, I was, I think, I was blown away, just like everybody in the audience was, when they announced a C sharp. Well, I mean, a .NET version of Silverlight, and uh, and a journalist friend of mine said, "What do you think of this?" And I, said, I think this is awesome. And he said, are you going to implement it? I was like, of course we are. <laughs> and he said, can I quote you? And I was like, yeah, of course you can. And I was like, oh, am I making a mistake here? And now what have you done? <laughs> <laughs> but then, uh, you know, Marc Jalbert from uh, Microsoft France invited me. Uh, I mean, I met him at the at the mix. And he said, well, why don't you come to France and show Mono? I said, "Yeah, okay, maybe. And then he kept insisting. And, yeah, you should really come. And I said, okay, I'll go. And he said, and you can come and demo Moonlight at the keynote. I was like, Huh, keynote? That sounds good. <laughs> so we had three weeks to put the Moonlight together to demo it at the, in Paris. So uh, so that's what we did. So it was really Marshall fault that we implemented Moonlight.
1: Wow. But, I mean, once again, we get into this great experience now where this very Microsoft-y technology running on other platforms and then uh, you know the actual execution space is on yet another platform. So there I am in on a mac surfing an a- apache site that uses the moonlight implementation of silverlight to to show the that very modern looking thing i where's wpf going to fit into this now i can answer that you guys aren't planning to do wpf are you
3: uh we're not i mean the problem with do i mean we we do like wpf well i think it's still big but uh we do like it the problem is that it's I mean, I don't think that we can commit and to it and, and deliver it in any reasonable time frame. I just think it's too big for us to do. So either either we get a, a lot of the community excited about building it, and um, and that's the way we build it, or 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 we partner with someone or we work with someone. Um, to do it, or WPF becomes incredibly important strategically for... You know, we're still waiting to
1: see the potential of WPF be realized. uh, It's uh, a great concept, but where's the app?
3: Yeah, so and the problem, I think, there is an issue of bootstrapping, right? You already have a lot of code, and and the WPF proposition is you, you need to rewrite some of your code to take advantage of this. So it's uh, it's going to be difficult for existing, you know, legacy, well, not legacy, but existing apps like, let's say, Photoshop or Excel or any of those apps to actually rewrite their code on, or migrate. And I think that's, uh, so I think WPF has a really bright future, but it's it's a few years down the line. And right now, I mean, we, we're a very small team. We can't really take on, on something of that size.
2: What are you guys doing on the uh, concurrency side? Are you working with software transactional uh, memory or anything uh, like
3: you that? you mean the Plink, uh, the P Link stuff that was announced? Mm hmm. Um, so we've looked at it with excitement, um, but I guess we've learned our lesson at this point, which is we really should not start work on implementing APIs that are that are still. Um, I mean, there's a word that they might influx. Yeah. Yeah, what is it? The oh, they're um, RFPs or. CSPs, community review or something like that. Community CTP, technology review. That's yeah. it. Community yeah. technology review. Yeah. So we don't really want to do work on CTPs because it means when they refactor code, we have to do the same refactoring. And usually, since we're a smaller team, we're lagging behind. So it, it's kind of very time consuming for us. So. We tend, I mean, with a couple of exceptions, because, I mean, some of my developers just can't stop uh, getting interested in something particular, but <laughs> uh, but we try to stay focused on released APIs. Um, so I think that as soon as Blink goes more, becomes a little bit more stable, uh, we'll look into it. But we we, we, we tried chasing WCF uh, using CTPs, and, yeah. and that was, I mean, we still did a lot of it, but we still wasted a lot of time chasing, you know, changes. So I think that we've learned our lesson now, and we'll probably just stick to, um, you know, finish 3.5, which is not that difficult. I mean, all the 2.0 upgrades are relatively simple. So do that, complete link, and uh, finish Moonlight. And when Microsoft decides to release MVC or Plink or, you know, or ADL.net, Astoria, then, then we'll start looking at it. Or oh, when well, they have like a beta, like a feature frozen beta, right? Yeah, that
1: makes sense.
2: So uh, we're coming to the end of the show here. Is there anything that we missed? Anything that uh, we should be talking about in the last few minutes?
1: I don't know. Um,
3: I really wish that uh, that we had a mono session at Mix or a, or a mono session at the at the PDC. I'm I'm really looking forward to that. Um, or a yeah, what's up with that? <laughs> Yeah, uh, I don't know. Um, I don't know. We've never kind of, kind of uh, made it to a buff. I really would like to have a buff of Mono at the PDC or Mix, you know, because it would be a good time to talk to developers and, and tell them what they can do or, or or how they can migrate their applications. And, you know, I'd rather have a developer. I mean, if I was Microsoft, I would rather have a developer move to Mono using .NET than have the developer choose Java, you know? Yes, um, yes. So anyways, I, I guess we haven't really been convincing enough uh, that that's a good thing, so anyways I, I think it would be great if uh, if there was you know some grassroots support for Microsoft to to give us a buff at the at the pDC to talk about mono
2: Well, hopefully somebody's listening and they can you'll, and you'll get a call
3: yeah We'd, hopefully
2: Well, the project is mono it's at www.mono-project.com. dot com um, uh, one last thing what's is that a monkey or a robot or both?
3: What oh, is Oh, it's that? a monkey. It's a monkey.
2: monkey. <laughs>
3: okay. Mono it, means monkey.
2: It does. In, yeah, in
3: Spanish, in Spanish.
2: Really? In Spanish. Ah. Yeah,
3: you know, I'm Mexican, and then and then I didn't know that mono had such a bad connotation in, in English. I was associated <laughs> with, you know, monochrome or monochromatic, so I figured, yeah mono, who's going to, you know, mono, stereo. You, so you I missed out on mononucleosis. You know, so. I
2: took Spanish yeah. in high school for four years, and I never learned the word for monkey.
3: <laughs> oh, well, it's Mono. <laughs> so, yeah, and then when we launched the project, everybody was making some bad jokes, and I couldn't get it. It was like, I, was like, I don't understand what's going on until somebody spelled it out for me. I yeah. am so, like, oh, oh, yeah, I guess uh, that's not good, I guess.
2: <laughs> you're talking about the, too late now. the disease, I think you're talking about, right?
3: Yeah, yeah. you don't want to be associated with that. Yeah, so let's just put happy thoughts. Mono is a happy
4: monkey. Okay. What is the kissing disease, Miguel? Yeah, that's you know, true. You're so that, monkey. You're a happy <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Thank you very much. We're out of here.
3: Hey, guys. Thank Thanks you so much not. for the time and the opportunity.
2: You bet. Bye-bye. Ciao. And we'll Bye see guys. you next time on .Net Rocks.